1997, MasterCard launched an ingenious ad campaign that has been running now for 17 years. When I start describing it to you, you're probably instantly going to recognize the campaign and you can kind of fill in the blanks more than likely. The, the very first commercial in 1997 showed a father and a son entering a baseball park and the announcer says this, he says, two tickets, $28, two hot dogs, two sodas, two popcorns, $18, one autographed baseball, $45, real conversation with your 11-year-old son, exactly. And then the tagline says this, there are some things money can't buy, but for everything else, there's MasterCard. <laughs> now, I'm not advocating MasterCard, but... One of the reasons for the success of those ads is because they've tapped into something that we all know. That is, there are some things money can't buy. There are some things that are priceless. I looked up that word priceless in the dictionary, and you know what it means? It means something that is so precious that its value cannot be determined. Something so precious that its value cannot be determined. Now, before MasterCard made that word famous, a man in the Old Testament named David used that word to describe God's love for us. I want to show you that in the Bible in Psalm 35 or Psalm 36. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. There's one in the pew rack. You can reach there and get that blue Bible. Psalm 36, it's in the Old Testament. It's kind of in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 36. Verses 5 through 6 will be our main text today. And here's how David describes God's love for us and God's love for you. He says in verse 5, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness is to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. And then notice in verse 7 what he says. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. A.W. Tozer said, talking about the love of God is like going around the globe, visiting every country in the world, and then spending five minutes telling your friend about it. He said, it just can't be done. You just can't describe it all. And that certainly is true in God's love. David describes God's love this way. David said, how priceless is your unfailing love. What is it about God's love that makes it priceless? Well, there's two things in this text that shows us why God's love is priceless. First of all, God's love is not based on how I act. It's one of the things that makes it priceless. It is a love that is not based on how I act. You may look at your past or even your present circumstances and doubt that God loves you. You might look back at something that you've done in the past and think, God couldn't love me because. Or you might be looking at something you're involved in right now and you know it's wrong and you know it's sin and you know it's it breaks the heart of God and you're thinking inside, God couldn't love me now because, not just of something in my past, maybe something in my present. But listen to me, nothing could be further from the truth. Because God's love is not based on how you act. This isn't a love that you earn or buy or win. It's something bigger than that. It's something better than that. 
to really understand what David is talking about as he describes God's love in verses 5 through 7, we really need to back up to the first four verses. And what I want to do is just kind of walk our way through the first four verses and help you understand the person that David is describing in the first four verses and then the love that David describes in verses 5 through 7. Verse 1, he says this, An oracle is within my heart. Now let me stop there and help you understand what that's talking about. An oracle was simply a special message from God spoken by a prophet. So David was in essence saying, God has put a special message in my heart. And this special message was concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. This oracle was concerning how the wicked live life and how they look at life. And then he describes this wickedness. He describes this wicked person this way. He says, first of all, this is a person who has no fear of God. Look what he says in verse 1. There is no fear of God before his eyes. In other words, this is a person who doesn't care what God says. He doesn't think about what God wants. He doesn't care what God thinks. He has no fear of God, no concern for God whatsoever. This is the kind of wicked person David is describing. And then he describes him this way in verse 2. For in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. This is a person who is so struck on himself that he doesn't even realize the depth of his own sin. He perhaps might see your sin, but he doesn't realize the depth of his own sin because he's got himself fooled. And then in verse 3, he describes somebody who finds it easy to lie. For the words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. And then this wicked person David is describing, he takes it a step further in verse 4, and he describes somebody who's deliberately plotting and pursues things that are wrong. Verse 4, even on his bed, he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. I'm not trying to make a joke in what I'm about to say, but you probably know somebody like this. Uh, I probably have described somebody that you know. Maybe it's a guy that you work with. And and he just seems to to find it easy to tell lies. He seems to be plotting his next thing, and it's usually not anything good. And uh, he he finds, or you find, that he has no fear of God. He has no concern of God in his life. He's not concerned about who God is or what God wants. Maybe I described to somebody that that you work with. Or perhaps I've described your ex-wife. Maybe your ex-husband. You say, yeah, that's a pretty good, he's, that's a, you just nailed him, that's him. Maybe, and this is not a joke, maybe I've described your son or your daughter. And right now they are far, far from God. There is no fear of God in their eyes. They find it easy to lie. It seems like they're plotting the next wrong thing they're going to do. Or maybe I've described your alcoholic father. And everything I read in the first four verses describes him to a T. Or maybe, if you're really honest, maybe I've described you. Maybe God has described you. You say, Keith, that's that's a pretty good description of the sinfulness in my heart. That's a pretty good description of the wickedness that I feel. Let me under, help you understand in verses 1 through 4, David is describing a person who has no fear of God, sees no need for God, and has no interest in God. Now make sure you get that. He has no fear of God, he has no need for God, and he has no interest in God. And yet, here's the amazing thing. 
This is the type of person that God loves. God loves those who do not deserve His love and those who are not worthy of His love. You see, let me help you understand what David is doing as he writes this psalm. In the first four verses, he's describing a wicked person, the sinfulness of us all. He's describing how dark and how evil and how wicked we are. And then in verses 5 through 7, he compares the, the amazing love of God against the wickedness of mankind. It's kind of like when a few years ago, Lisa and I went to buy her another diamond. Uh, she had lost the diamond out of her wedding band. And we looked for it for a while and waited a while and saved up our money. And we went and bought a new diamond, a new wedding band. And I found it interesting how they do that. And I hadn't been in a jewelry store for a long time, but... Whenever they'd bring out that diamond, they'd always, almost always, bring it out and lay it on a black cloth. So you could see the sparkle of the diamond. You could see the beauty of the diamond. It shows up best against the darkness of that black cloth. That's what David was doing when he wrote this psalm. In the first four verses, he's showing us the darkness of our sinful heart. The wickedness of our sinful heart. So that we could see the beauty of God's love. In verses 5 through 7. And so with that context, let's look and see what he says. After describing the wickedness of man, David then describes the vastness of God's love. Let's read it one more time. Follow along. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. See, the astonishing thing about God's love is that it is not limited to those who have their act together. It is even for those who can't get their act together. I, I guess that's why David said, you know, when I think about God's unfailing love, this is the one word I could use to describe it. It is priceless both high and low among men, he says in verse 7, find refuge in the shadow of your wings. People from all walks of life, both high and low, have experienced God's compassionate, priceless love. Charles Spurgeon, the well-known British preacher in the 18th century, said this. He said, when Jesus came into my life, I lost 80% of my vocabulary. <laughs> now think about that. You know what he was saying? He was saying, when Jesus came into my life, I didn't have my act together. When Jesus came into my life, when I met Christ, I was not a very good person. When I experienced the love of Jesus Christ, I was not a godly man. That's the reason, ladies and gentlemen, that God's unfailing love is priceless. He loves us even when we were yet sinners. We don't have to clean up our mouth or clean up our life before we come to Him. He loves us just the way we are and gives us far more than we deserve. God's love is priceless for this first reason. It's not based on how I act. Now, the second thing is this. Another reason that God's love is priceless is because God's love will never quit us. God's love will never quit us. Some of you have experienced a love that quit. Someone looked in your eyes and told you that they loved you and that they would always love you. And then five to seven years into that marriage, that same person looked into your eyes and said, 
I don't love you anymore. And I want a divorce. They had a love that quit. But listen to me. Listen to me. God will never treat you that way. God will never treat you that way. How priceless. David describes it this way in verse 7. How priceless is your... He could have said, how priceless is your love. And that would have made perfect sense. But that's not what he said. David said, how priceless is your unfailing love. The word unfailing there is the word hesed. The Hebrew word hesed. The Hebrew word hesed means, it could be translated, God's loyal love. God is always loyal to you. He is always devoted to you. He has a love for you that will not quit. One of the best illustrations of this that I could find in Scripture is in the Psalms as well. Go over to Psalm 136. You're in 36. Keep your finger there. And go over to Psalm 136. Psalm 136 was written in a way to be used in a worship service, and we're going to kind of practice it today. I'm going to read the first part of the verse, and at the end of the verse, I want you to read it to me. I'll explain it as I read the very first verse. Psalm 136, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Now what I want you to do is, I'm going to read through this psalm, and when it says, His love endures forever, I want you to read that back to me. State it back to me, okay? Verse 1, are you with me? Alright, good. Verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To Him alone who who does great wonders. Who by His understanding made the heavens. And you could see, we could keep reading through the entire psalm. We'll go to the very last verse, verse 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Do you know why? The psalmist says, here's the reason why. He has a love that will not quit. His love endures forever. God's unfailing love is a sacrificial love that cares about you and gives and works for your good no matter how you respond to Him, no matter how you treat Him, no matter what you say about Him. God still will love you. Every time God thinks about you, He thinks about you lovingly. Every time God responds to you, He responds to you lovingly. And even when He chastises you and disciplines you, it is out of love. The Bible is very clear and very plain. His love endures forever. God's love is powerful because it covers every day of your life. It is an everlasting, unfailing love that covers every day of your life. You can go back in the past as far as your mind will carry you. And there was never a time that God didn't love you. Never a time. Now we can't say that about our love for others, can we? You see, I love my children and my wife with all of my heart. But I have not always loved them. There was a time when I began to love my wife. I can't exactly tell you when. But it was sometime after January the 25th, 1980. January 25th, 1980, I went out on a date at Carson Newman College with a beautiful young lady named Lisa Hosier. I didn't love her that night. And I had not loved her before then. 
But sometime after that first date, I started to fall in love with her. There was a time when I didn't love her, but now I do. I started, I can tell you though exactly when I started loving my kids. I got that one down pat. Let me tell you when I started loving my kids. I started loving my daughter Kelly on May the 5th, 1988. I started loving Lauren on March the 3rd, 1991. I started loving Jonathan on January the 7th. 1995. You see, our love always has a starting point. Always. Our love always has a starting point. But there was never a time when it could be said that God started loving you. Hear that again. There was never a time when God started loving you. Don't be deceived and think God started loving you on the day you were saved. He loved you far beyond that day. Jeremiah 31.3 is a verse you need to have marked in your Bible. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Jeremiah 31.3. God is saying that to you today. He's calling you by name and saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. There was not a day I started loving you. I did not start loving you when you got your act together. I did not start loving you when you came to church. I did not start loving you when you were saved. There was never a day when I started loving you. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Do you know what that means to me and to you? It literally means that God loved you before you were born. Now, let's, let's think for a moment. Put on your thinking hat and go a little deeply with me into Scripture. That means if God loved you before you were born, that you don't have to try to do anything to earn God's love or to merit God's love or to deserve God's love. There was never a time when God started loving you. He has always loved you. He loves you with an everlasting love. You say, Pastor, my mind can't comprehend that. Mine can't either, but I am thankful for it. God's unfailing love. Not only does it mean that there was never a time when He started loving you, but watch this. It also means there's never a time when He will stop loving you. Now listen to this. Psalm 52.8. Go over there quickly with me. Psalm 52.8. Psalm 52.8, David wrote this psalm and he says, But I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God. And the second half of the verse is what I want you to see. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I want you to think about that for a moment. When the stars fall out of the heavens and the planets quit spinning in their orbit and the earth is no more, God says, I'll still love you. I have an unfailing love that will love you forever and forever. When you have messed up and fallen on your face and embarrassed yourself, God says to you, but I want you to know something, I still love you. When you decide that you don't need God, you don't want God, or even that you hate God, God says to you, I just want you to know something, I still love you. When you become addicted to sin and you have scars in your life to prove it, God will say to you, I still love you. God, God's love 
never quits. Isn't that amazing? Because some of you have experienced a love that quit. And you feel like that God treats you the same way that your ex-husband treated you. Or God treats you the same way your ex-wife treated you. Or God treats you the same way that your dad or your mom treated you. They have a love that, they had a love that quit. But God says, dear child, I love you with an everlasting love. What would you call a love like that? You know what I'd call it? Priceless. Priceless. There's a band, Christian band, known as Jesus Culture is the name of their band, and they've got a song that says, One thing remains. And the, the lyrics say, Higher than the mountains that I face, stronger than the power of the grave, constant through the trial and the change, one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. On and on and on it goes. It overwhelms and satisfies my soul. And I never ever have to be afraid because one thing remains. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. In death... In life, I'm confident and covered by the power of your great love. My debt is paid and there's nothing that can separate my heart from your great love because your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. The Apostle Paul didn't know that song, but he sure wrote a scripture that had that thought in mind. Remember in Romans 8, we won't take the time to to read it. Well, let's do. Just go to Romans 8. Some of you need to read this. You need to mark it in your Bible. Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? Verse 37, no, in all these things, we're more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Now, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's loyal love Never lets go. What would you call a love like that? Here's what I'd call it. Priceless. God's love is not based on how good you are. It's not based on what you can do for Him. He loves you for this reason. And I'm going to put my sermon in a sentence. You ready for it? I'm going to tell you why God loves you. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. I don't care if you're religious or non-religious. I don't care if you are a Christian for 50 years or you're lost as lost can be. I want to tell you why God loves you. Here it is. He loves you because He is God and you are His creation. That's the reason. He loves you for, because He is God. The Bible says God is love. 
He loves you because He is God. And because you are His creation. It's kind of the same reason you love your kids. Because you're the parent. And in essence, they're your creation. You brought them into the world. You love them. Not because of what they've done or didn't do. You love them because of who you are and whose they are. God loves you. Not because of the good things that you do. God loves you because He is God and you are His creation. God loves you in spite of the bad things that you have done. Because He is God and you are His creation. You matter to Him. You are a person of worth. You are valuable to Him. And regardless of what others think about you, or even what you think about yourself, God loves you. To the elderly woman who had problems getting out of bed today, and you're not sure how much you're going to be able to do in the years ahead, God says, dear lady, I love you. To the young man, your life is all before you. You've got great plans. And God simply says to you today, I love you. To the single mom who's struggling to raise those kids and make ends meet. And you kind of drug them here today. and You're frazzled and worn out. God says, I love you. To the businessman, your pockets are full, but your heart is empty. God says, I love you. To the young lady who's embarrassed about the past. God wraps His arms around you and says, Honey, I love you. To the teenager, you don't have a lot of friends and you feel lonely. God says, I love you. To the person who's thinking about committing suicide, because you can't see a future at all, God says, I love you. To the man who's tried to find satisfaction in his work and is on the verge of just breaking down, God says, I love you. Because He is God and you are His creation. It's amazing, isn't it? God's love is not about how I act. It's about who He is. And it's a love that never quits. A love that will never give up on me. A love that will never walk out. In fact, God's love is a love that opened the door for sinners to go to heaven. Let me show you how the Bible describes it in 1 John 4. 1 John 4. First John 4, verse 9. This is how God showed His love among us. God didn't just talk about His love. He showed us that He loves us. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is how God demonstrated His love for us. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul said in the book of Romans. God has demonstrated His love for you. Look in verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Oh, I hope you're doing that today. I hope you know the love of God and you're relying on the love of God. 
we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. Look at verse 19. We love because He first loved us. He first loved us. This is the God that many people are rejecting today. This is the God that they are turning away from. They are turning away from that unfailing, unconditional love of God. And for the life of me, I can't understand why. For the life of me. I can't understand why anybody would turn away from that unfailing, unending, unconditional, priceless love of God. Why would anybody turn away from that? When He's demonstrated that love for us on the cross at Calvary, why would anybody turn away from that? So I'm going to ask you today to dare to believe something. I'm going to ask you to dare to believe that God loves you. And I don't know what's in your past. But I want you to dare to believe that God has demonstrated His love for you, that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. Today I'm inviting you to trust the One who loves you the most. Just simply put your trust in the One who loves you the most. And if you've been away from God, if you're backslidden, I want you to dare to believe that God still loves you. It's time to come back to the One who loves you the most. God's unfailing love is priceless. Let's pray about that right now. Would you join me? What I want you to understand as we bring this time, this message to a time of invitation, what I want you to understand is that the greatest love you could ever find is only found in God. His love is not based on how I act or how you act. And His love will never quit. He will never stop loving you. That's why His love is priceless. But please today, don't turn away from that love. Please don't reject that love. I can explain to anyone the love of God but it can only be experienced when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. And today, I want you to dare to believe that God wants to be part of your life. Maybe you want to pray a prayer or something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I thank You that You love me in spite of that. I invite You to come into my heart and I repent of my sin. I repent of living for myself. And from this day forward... I want to live for You. I claim by faith Jesus Christ 